Welcome to Save It For The Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Cusick, alongside my co-host, John Doyle. How's it going, everybody? And Mark Acuso. Hello to all of our faithful fans and to my two fellow podcast hosts. Hello. Hello, Mark, and hello to everybody out there listening. We are back on schedule, uh, you know, right around the same time as we got our episode last week after a little holiday break. A little more of a usual episode this week as we thank we got so much great news about Damar Hamlin. So I, or was it was yesterday he was released from the hospital in Buffalo and he's going to continue his recovery on his own. So that was terrific. What, what a relief from where we were when we did this last episode, not really having any idea about what would happen. So that is such a relief and it leads us into a pretty fun um you know, football weekend, and it's going to be cool to see the Bills play. I wonder if he'll actually be at the game, and there's a, there's a lot going on. So we got a lot to cover this week. How's everybody doing? Doing really well. Yeah, this has been uh, some great some great football recently, sports in general. A little sad, yeah. though, this time of year, isn't it? It's like I know. It's over. Football season's winding down. We thankfully have the NBA and college hoops, but college football's done. We're at that precipice of like we've been in the best sports season possible with so many good things going on. And we're staring down the barrel of like, uh oh, it's going to be a time where there's not as much going on soon. Yeah. Um, I forget. I swear, I swear on my grandfather, both grandfather's graves, I looked at the, 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 sh- Pre post pre sheet multiple times this morning, but we're not talking about the um the national championship game at all th- today, are we? Not in three big questions, right? No, I I put it oh, in the intro. So in that vi- yeah, so in that vein, usually if it's a great game, it's right at the once the game is over, like wow, what an amazing game! I love college football, and then then you realize, holy shit, college football is done. That is depressing. Now all we got is uh, NFL and obviously NBA, blah blah blah, but. Um, this year was very harsh because we got that realization about midway through the first quarter. <laughs> the college football is toast. Oh yeah. Oh man, isn't that? I didn't realize that um, Murray is twenty five years old. That's very very old. I know we talked about that last week. Justin Bennett. Justin Bennett. Sorry, forgive me. That's Justin Bennett. Yes, exactly. What say you, Doyle? You don't know what's on the run sheet, and you don't know who the quarterback was for the I game. Know exactly what's on the run sheet. I handwritten down everything in my all my responses today. All right, yeah, this is all banter right now. Okay, it's your turn. Went A, B, now C. Go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, well, what I got is that you don't not fucking prepared for this episode. I'm again. very prepared. I'm a and I can't see you again because your fucking computer sucks. We really need to get this video out on social media because people need to see how communicating with Mark is literally like talking to somebody from one of those A&E like gang documentaries where the guy is just pixelated. And it's like they'll have a historian on to be like, and this was bad thing was going on and be like, this is Fred. He was a member of whatever. He's just, you can't see him at all. He looks like in, in Star Wars when they have like the video message. And it's all blurry, and it's like a little broken up. It's like somebody, please save us! Like he said, he sounds like that, and he looks like that. Uh, it was a it was a bad uh, college football finale. Uh, obviously, uh, the SEC rolls as usual. Uh, it's t- it is tough because it's we all wanted a. Uh, I think everybody was rooting for a a good finale after two awesome college football games leading up to it in the playoffs. So. That's a bummer. Uh, yeah, it's weird as a Patriots fan, guys, because we don't have 
the like we don't have an extra month of of, of local football to root for anymore. <laughs> nope. This is year two, and year two stings even more than year one, right? Like they got they got bounced so early last year, it was like it's sort of a foregone conclusion when they lost to the Bills. The Bills once again end our season this year in the regular season. It's just sort of brutal. I know we got so used to around here football season lasts till February, right? It was just like that's what it was. And now you have the harsh reality that it really doesn't like, even though I think we all have teams we like that are still in the playoffs and that we'll root for. And we'll talk more about this in three big questions, but it's not the same without your own team. At least I will say this. We have the Celtics who are great and we have the Bruins who, even though we're not the biggest hockey fans, like it's kind of easier to get into them when they're having a great season. And there's a lot of positive buzz about them. So at least we've got that going on. Yeah. Speaking of the Celtics, Pat, um, what do you guys think about the, uh, TD Bank North Garden being that named until 2045 today. I did see that. I guess I didn't think much about it. I mean, I'm glad it didn't get changed to some ridiculous name like the Cryptocurrency Arena or whatever. Uh, I think Miami was like the FTX Arena before that thing went bottoms up. Oh so, my God. Uh, and I know I'm pretty sure that what used to be the Staples Center is now the Cryptocurrency Arena. So, I'm glad that we are not involved in a crypto scam, at least. So TD, I guess TD Garden has kind of become synonymous with it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I'd rather be named after a cryptocurrency or, or, or company than the Smoothie King Arena. Still, <laughs> I feel. Like, I, I guess I have no concept of how big Smoothie King must be to have to be able to afford their own arena naming rights. I, know. I enjoyed the Smoothie King Arena when I went. I thought it was terrific. I got that great bucket hat. What the, what, but it's funny, like so many, all of the arenas in the country are basically named after like massive financial institutions or like massive companies. And then it's like Pinkberry Arena or something. It's crazy. Pat, what's a nicer arena, uh, TD Bank or uh, Smoothie King? Um, Smoothie King, probably. But I was also in a pretty <laughs> fancy part of the Smoothie King Arena. So like I'm used to sitting in the Bone Orchard at... <laughs> garden where it's you know kind of yourself it's the unwashed masses kind of situation whereas i could afford a ticket in the most prime area you can imagine at the smoothie king i no. treated me like i was royalty there Pat, that's a great point the the bone orchards up in the garden must be worse than most bone bone orchards like well, they don't really get the same you know we, we probably sound like such homers in some ways but boston has much more rowdy committed crowds than a lot of places particularly at the bruins and the celtics and the, and the patriots games red sox we've also touched on as a little more you know casual fans these days and i don't think you really get the same kind of thing at your average nba game certain certainly some stadiums warriors um come to mind and and i'm sure there are other other teams like that the grizzlies but but i i think that probably boston's a little more rambunctious than your average you know nba or nhl crowd right underrated seat though last row of the garden not bad at all because you get to stand the whole time you don't have to be worried about being in anybody's way and nobody is looking at you you can do whatever the fuck you want back there if you're you're gonna be in row like 10 or higher you might as well get row 15 I totally agree. I love it back there. Yeah. You can lean against the back wall. <laughs> We've sat in the last row together, I believe, at both the Garden and at Fenway. The three of us sat together at Fenway in the dead last row once. Oh yeah. I don't mind that at Fenway either, because again, yeah. you're not like in the way. No, I love. I've never had a bad a bad experience in the bleachers at Fenway. 
I mean, well, I have, but it hasn't been because of the bleachers specifically. <laughs> yeah, there's still time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe you me, that, that tune's going to change real quick. I'm sure of it. <laughs> let me let me regale you guys a little off subject here with what my day looks like. Um, I am sitting at home right now, waiting for an exterminator get to get here because a rat died in my wall. No That's way. Right. Yeah. Oh my God, dude! It's, it smells like you want to talk about bone orchard. It smells, it smells like a dead body in my apartment right now. And the guy was supposed to be here at noon to look at it, and I just got like another call that he's not going to be here till like around five to try to get this fucking dead rodent out of my wall. Dude, that some little rats. I'm sure that rat's probably half the size of Jack. Yeah, this thing What's might have a social security number, huh? What's the process for him getting it out? <laughs> I have no idea. I didn't ask questions. I just said, you got to come in and take it down the wall and <laughs> taking it out. Well, like it, I, I'm, I'm going to have a difficult time explaining it, but I know pretty much where it is because as you get closer, you can smell it worse and worse and worse. But I made the mistake of putting the heat on this morning because it was cold out oh, and God. I like, put it from like 60 to 70. And by the time, <laughs> by the time I got back, like from dropping my son off at daycare, it smelled like I had cooked a raccoon in a barrel fire in my bedroom. <laughs> the beauties of living in the Northeast, your options are freeze or smell the rat smell. Oh, man. I can definitely commiserate with that, dude. I'm the fucking rat king over here in fucking Beacon Hell, dude. <laughs> People call me Willard around here. I don't and think like, we, had, we had a mouse in the house, and like I was like, "There's no, this is this. I don't know what is in the wall, but it can't be uh, like the mouse that I saw that's scurrying around here last week. This thing has a social security number. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. So if we have to take a pause in the middle middle of this, it's because the fucking exterminate. I have to let him in. <laughs> oh, have him on the cast. Dual passes yeah. out from I'm sure, sure you have just as good as good appearance as Tom Cribbett did. <laughs> Tom will be offended to hear that. He no, did Tom did it. Tim Tim Corbett, forgive me. That's a veteran right there. He did a great job. I was just kidding. We gotta get uh, Hodge on this. We'll have to send him a message this week and schedule a time for him to get on, chat about the playoffs. Um we touched on the NCAA football game, not much to say there. Celts will do a little bit on as we get closer to the all-star break. I saw Tatum did move into the top three. It seems like he's going to have a good shot at starting in the all-star game, which is good. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter, but I kind of feel like he deserves it. Tatum, if he's on a start, that'd be baffling. I mean, it's a tough thing, right? You got Durant, Giannis, Embiid, Tatum all competing for those top three spots. Why do people, about, why do people care about this in the NBA and literally no other sport? I don't know. It's a good question. Probably because the NBA All-Star game is better than the other All-Star games. It's not as goofy. Yeah, right. And only the five guys are like 180 to 175, aren't they? They're like they, – They're, they're high scoring, but I think the guys take it a little more seriously. They, For whatever reason, maybe if there's not as many awards or, or I don't know what it is, but they definitely seem to take it way more seriously. I agree. Maybe because there's less spots. Like in MLB, every single team gets a guy on. In the NBA, there's only 12 spots, and there's a lot more – there's a lot of guys that probably consider themselves all-star level that may like CJ McCollum. We, the Celtics played the Pelicans last night. Like I think most of us agree. He's a really good basketball player. He never, he's never made the all-star team. Not even one time. Jalen Brown's made it. What once? Yeah. 
And I think hmm. people generally consider him a perennial, like, top 20 player in the NBA. He's made the All-Star team one time. Well, I guess the idea is that Tatum is considered an MVP candidate, and it would just be bizarre if he didn't – if he wasn't a starter in his conference. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we got a lot to touch on with the Salts. They're on a good run again after the last time I think we talked. We were a little bit up and down. So – We'll get into them. Uh, let's take a quick break, though, because we've got a lot of football to touch on, and I think it's going to be some uh, a good conversation. Be right back. Thanks for listening to Save It for the Podcast. You can find us on both Instagram and Twitter at Save It for the Cast. That's Save It, the number four, the cast. Thanks for listening, and back to your regularly scheduled programming. Welcome back to the show, everyone. In our first segment of the week, three big questions. We're gonna. We have a lot of NFL to tackle. We have wild card matchups to discuss, and you know other issues around the league with with open coaching spots. But let's start this week with a recap of the Patriots season. The Patriots season came to a merciful conclusion last week in Buffalo in Week 18. Um, Patriots acquitted themselves fairly well offensively. I thought they they moved the ball fairly well. Still came up short. Weren't, weren't solid in all three phases of the game. Um, obviously had the two kickoff returns go get, uh, go against them. Tough. You're never going to win a football game like that. Um, overall, I thought it was a fairly emotional performance to end the season um, from Mac and the offense. What were you guys' thoughts on the game? And when you look back on this game a couple months from now, when the season is done and dusted for, around the league, what will your what will your point of view be on how this Patriots season is in retrospect? Mark, you want to start? Pat, you want to? I will think what could have been, because I think we had not elite talent, but we had very good talent, and I think if we had a legitimate coaching staff, I've I think that um, I just think that we could have we had a good squad. And we just didn't reach full potential because of not the guys on the field as much as the X's and O's, which has never been the case before. And just been frustrating loss after frustrating loss. Um, but just a, a, a season that could have been uh, very successful. Can I, can I ask you, can I stop you and ask you a serious question? When you say that you, we had a good talent level on the team, how would you compare the talent level on this team to the talent level of some of our deeper playoff runs? Yeah, I mean, it's unfair to say because of how much better Tom Brady is than Mac Jones, right? Yeah, I mean that is moderately fair, I guess. But I, but I do, yeah. I, I agree with Dole's point. I, I don't look at, or even if you don't want to compare it to them, what would, you, how would you compare our talent level to the talent level of our competitors? Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we seriously, obviously, we can get, we can touch on it when um, we talk about what this team needs. But yeah, we seriously lack at certain spots, left tackle, receiver, to name just a two, that um, was, was glaring throughout the season. Yeah, I agree. We had we had a lot of fatal flaws, for sure. So the talent level, not so good. But all right, well, like, I thought we had a, above-average defense. And, Very good defense. And I think, we could, I think we just could have got a little bit more out of our offense. We could have um, – we could we could have – we should have this – this was a playoff team. This team wouldn't have gone far in the playoffs. But they, they, this, was a, this was a playoff team, but no. That's just all I was trying to tease out of you is where you actually go. Oh, sorry, no. You know I can't articulate myself very well. I know. I know. That's why we do this every week. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah, that's, why you're, that's why you're the host of this, and I'm clearly just the talent. 
<laughs> now, what do you? What were, what were your thoughts on this? Just to to Mark's point, I was disappointed in the season. I think as the season went along, we talked a lot on this podcast about this just wasn't a great team. But I I probably would agree that I think it was a playoff team. You know, I think they were better than the Dolphins towards the end of the year, particularly with Tua out. I, with Lamar Jackson, I thought they were better than the Ravens. I thought this team probably should have made the playoffs, but their own boneheaded mistakes, not just coaching. The coaching is an easy blame because I do agree. The coaching staff's bad, but that's obvious, right? The mistakes made by players on the field, whether that's Jacoby Myers throwing the ball away for no reason, Ramonde Stevenson fumbling a huge ball, the defense's inability to get off the field on crucial third downs in multiple games, uh, the special teams giving up kick returns to both the Bills and the Vikings, uh, missed field goals when we needed it, horrible punts. There is a This is not a good enough team, just plain yeah. and simple. There, there are specific holes that we'll touch on. But there are also, overall, when you compare them to the real, the better teams, we're lacking in so many ways. Like this, is, the defense is obviously good, but that's not a perfect defense either. And we saw that, you know, whenever we played, um, when we played the best teams, you know, when we played your Ravens with Lamar Jackson, when we played the Bills a couple times, when we played. Um, uh, even the Vikings, you know, we, we just, there were still some flaws. So, so there's a lot of work to do. So I'll look back on this season and I'll be disappointed, but I'll also say, you know, when you're just sort of a slightly above average team, this is kind of what happens to you. We're used to it not happening to us because we had Tom Brady and we, and we had Belichick was such a better coach and, you know, a lot of things went in our way. We, we won the tough games. We were never, we, we were so much ahead of the curve. Even if you had mistakes, you overcame them. A team of this level of talent isn't going to be able to overcome those mistakes. They should have beat the Bills probably this weekend, but they didn't because they made a couple of crucial mistakes and they're not good enough to overcome those mistakes. Exactly. I mean, the defense only allowed 21 of those points up, right? I mean, it's, that's not a bad showing against a a Josh Allen led team. And, And I think the thing that will, the thing that will stick out to me, Personally, when you talk about those screw ups, the, the offensive ones stick up to me the, the most because I think it's it's easy to pull your hair out when you look at like procedural problems, like pre snap, like not knowing where to stand, not knowing what your assignments are. Like that's very easy to, to to diagnose from your couch. And and I thought that the offense was just just consistently let down the other the the defensive unit so so often during the season. It was hard. It was. For a team that I would agree with you both, it was above average, and you could easily make the argument they could make the playoffs. It was one of my least enjoyable Patriots like seasons like to watch ever. I think it was the it was the worst it was the worst product on the field that I, I think that oh, I oh yeah I've, I've, dude the amount of um, like you guys said pre snap uh, false starts and play when we would. And the few and far between times we would get a, a positive offensive play and then get called back because of holding, which is inevitable. I think I think it probably happened every single game this season. Um, and then yeah, just pivotal moments at key parts of the game, situational football, which you know we've been preaching back in the Patriot way, all that jargon. It just completely flipped on its head. We're now the idiots. We're now the teams talk about you know behind our backs, making fun of us because how many dumb mistakes we make. And teams aren't afraid. Well, I mean, and teams aren't afraid to pay. And teams aren't afraid to pay the Patriots anymore either. Way, either you know. 
I watched the end of Red Zone, the the sign off episode, and at the end of the sign off episode, every year they do the top five plays in the NFL this season. Two of those plays were plays that doomed the Patriots. <laughs> um, we had the obviously the Jacoby Myers play, and uh, there was the uh, the run back from Buffalo uh, was a play of the year. Yeah, and. Um, Jeez, I think that that was a that was a bonus play. There was another play on there. So yeah, I mean the Patriots. This was like a big rubber stamp uh, loser of the year award goes to New England Patriots. I think from a, a national perspective. I mean it was literally like watching a, a, a low light reel, like sports that are not top ten. Yeah. Um, all that being said, again, so I'll, I'll look at this season. I'll, I'll remember this season forever as a season that was maybe my least favorite to watch. Um, what do you guys think? Where does the where do the fixes start to start to happen? Where what's the first couple things that need to be addressed in this offseason day one as they look to uh, get back uh, get on better footing next season? Pat, do you want to start us off? Yeah, look, I think um, everybody's going to say the obvious thing is is the coaching, and that's somewhere where it has to start. They've got to figure out what to do with the coaching, but I'll leave that to the side. I'll let Mark talk about that if he wants, but I, but I think that's quite clear, you know, something that, that they need to need to address from there. They've got to figure out a wide receiver solution here. I think Jacoby Myers, who is going to be a free agent is a very good number two wide receiver, but they need somebody who can change the game on that side of the ball. They've got defensive playmakers in spots, but they have no real offensive playmakers. Obviously, Ramondre Stevenson is a very good running back, but it's a lot. It's hard to ask a guy who is running it between the tackles to make game-breaking play after game-breaking play. That is it is really hard. When you know, when we played the best teams in the league this year, we were roasted by you know like a Jalen Waddle who burnt us for like a fifty-yard touchdown. Stephon Diggs. On third and 10, 50-yard touchdown this past week to pretty much put the death knell in us. Justin Jefferson, we saw what he did. You know, you could go on and on. And, and across the league, we've seen what the elite weapons can do, what a Travis Kelsey can do, what a A.J. Brown did for the Eagles, etc. The Patriots have to find their solution. At first, they, you know, a couple of years ago, they invested big money in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. That did not work. Plain and simple, did not work, right? I think we all know that that has been a disaster. The two of them are paid significant money and they are not very good. So they've got to figure out how they can, whether it's DeAndre Hopkins in a trade, whether it's, you know, I don't think it's drafting somebody They because I don't know that we'll have the pick to get a guy who can immediately come in and really be that, but the Patriots have to find a playmaker on offense, especially if they're going to go back to the well with Mac again because it's clear he's not a high enough ceiling quarterback to do it with lesser weapons. So they've got to find an, a guy to really take some of the burden off him. And then to go with that, they have to find offensive line help. We had to have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL this year. Do you think that we are seeing what Mac is uh, as an NFL quarterback? Yeah. I mean, I think he's a limited weapons type of person. I think that's just a reality of it. I think when we knew when they drafted him, we thought what would Mac's best skills would be that he's a quick decision maker, that he sees the field while he gets through his reads, those kind of things. That actually hasn't shown up much in bits and pieces it has, but the actual physical flaws he had, he doesn't run well. You know, he even's okay, but not great. He doesn't have a very big arm. And 
you know, so the lack of physical tools, if he's not going to overcompensate for that with incredible understanding of the game and, and quick reads and ability to diagnose a defense from the shotgun and say, okay, this is the coverage they're in. This is how we adjust. If he's, if Mac is not able to do those things, then that makes the lack of physical tools even more damaging. So yeah. I, I, my guess is Mac gets one more year to take another bite at it with a different set of offensive coordinators, which is in of itself is difficult. Three offensive coordinators in three years. But my guess is we give Mac one more go at it, but I can't say I'm optimistic. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Marky? Yeah, I can't disagree with anything Pat said. Um, just to piggyback on the receiver dilemma, one thing uh, a few guys have suggested is just like the Eagles uh, traded for A.J. Brown, who is essentially at the end of his rookie contract, we have to be doing the same now. Guys like T. Higgins, um, oh God, I'm forgetting another name, but guys of that caliber that are essentially going to be free agents next year because, for example, T. Higgins – you have to pay Jamar Chase next season. Obviously, that's your guy. Can you afford to keep both guys? So that's what the Patriots should potentially be looking at, right? Because I think DeAndre Hopkins, as sexy as that sounds, is on the wrong side of 30. Just got caught with PEDs a few times. If you do bring in Bill O'Brien, which will lead me to my next point, um, they've had friction. I think Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins, so that would be weird. Um, although DeAndre Hopkins did have his best two seasons with Bill O'Brien, so kind of a catch-22. But, uh, yeah, uh, Pat, you cover everything inside the lines. Outside the lines, obviously, offensive coordinator goes without saying. Um, Chad O'Shea is one gentleman that they, that's kind of like a dark horse. I think he's – I'm not sure where he – I just heard his name a few times. Um, Nick Cayley, who was the tight ends coach, could be something potentially. Um, so on the offensive side, obviously, you don't know who it's going to be, but – Oh, brother. You know. I know, And then, and then obviously, dark, another cool, um, sexy name – although John doesn't like him, is uh, Kingsbury. And then one more thing, uh, John, then I'll let you say your piece. Um, I guess right before we uh, signed on today, guys, we're recording on a Thursday afternoon. Um, Gerard Mayo is actually going to get a offense, uh, head coaching uh, interview for Carolina. So we got to figure out the defensive side. And I think it's going to be pretty simple if you ask me. You slide Patricia over to defense and you slide Judge to special teams. That's, no, that's like a no-brainer. John? Yeah, I've heard some people suggest those things about, you know, I mean, if, if it's if it's Nick Cayley, we're in real trouble because he's been here for a while and he got passed over by by Patricia, who's never a day in his life been on the offensive side of the ball. And everything that I've heard has told me that that means, you know, that's intentional by Bill. If Bill wanted to make that move, he would have done it previously. You know, the guy's already in the building. And there was also some drama where he wouldn't let Cayley go with, uh, McDaniel's when he wanted to go. Um, as far as sliding the guys over, I mean, it, it's just this weird thing where it, it, you, it's so hard to retain guys like the coaches and reassign them and give someone else who's an, an external candidate their job. And as, as much, I think that, um, like I've heard it suggested that you, you put Patricia in the old Ernie Adams booth <laughs> and get him off the sidelines entirely, seriously, just to save face. And you can, I guess you can move judge over to special teams. Although the things that we've found out, it's so hard because you find out so much about these guys when they move to a head coaching position elsewhere. And they're not guys that I'm dying to have in the building at all. Um, and so I sort of feel like if, if I had my way, I would I would clean house and I would go with a fresh offensive coordinator, 
Um, you hope that you can retain Mayo, but if he does get a, another position, it's it's Steven Belichick who re- retains that job, and you go and get another special teams coordinator. Because I guess there's just no unhearing the stories you heard about Judd while he was a head coach in New York, and there's no unhearing the stories that I heard about Patricia when he was in Detroit. And there was so much there was so much dissent in the locker room when they were in charge that it's just hard for me to imagine that them sticking around wouldn't be poisonous to the next year's roster. Uh, uh, I, I think that the, what you suggested is the b- most likely outcome because Bill's too proud to actually can them after a year. Right. So I can see them moving him moving the pieces around and doing this thing where he gives everyone an ambiguous title. If, if I had my way, you would send a clear message that that kind of mediocrity is not tolerated and it was a mistake, and we're admitting it's acknowledging it's a mistake by cleaning house and getting rid of them. Yeah. I, I think that would be smart, but unfortunately, I'm, I guess I'm skeptical that they will. Like you said, John, I guess one of the things, um, one of the things I'd really like to see them do is not just bring back somebody who's already been here. I really think they could use some fresh ideas from outside of the Patriots walls. You know, I, I just, I, even if we don't love Cliff Kingsbury, if it could be somebody else, I saw Matt LaFleur's, leaving the Jets, like, even if I don't love him, just somebody with different ideas that maybe bring something else to the table. Because I do think that they've run into an issue where you're just cycling the same ideas and you've wound up with a lot of guys who do a lot of capitulating. And I don't think it's worked, you know, the past couple of years. I'm sure McDaniel, I think McDaniels maybe left because he realized, hey, this is not exactly going the way I'm loving it. I, I bet best time to get out. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I, I think that he was probably looking at it. He must have thought that Bill was not going to be sticking around as long as he later had made had made apparent, you know, and said, I got to get out of here while the getting's good. It's a, it's a very insular sort of bad group thing going on there where the, the, the schemes and the concepts, especially offensively, are so backwards and outdated that I don't like Kingsbury as a, as a head coach, but you're right. I mean, his ideas would be refreshing. Um, Eric Bieniemy, who, is, who had apparently is incapable of getting a head coaching job, but has worked under Andy Reid for over a decade, you're telling me you, you couldn't you couldn't bring somebody like that in and say we just need some new ideas. We need to be doing whatever you guys are doing in Kansas City. At least adopt you know a, a third of, of this these concepts schematically would be would be a huge. I think that that would be liberating for Mac. Uh, John, thank you for reminding me. Um, I had this really funny visual this weekend of, um, let's say Bill O'Brien's hired as the new offensive coordinator, and he's walking into the first you know offensive meeting, and Patricia's in there, and he's got his like the old offensive playbook and saying, trying to give him a few tips or whatever, like you know words of encouragement for you know how the offense should go, and then Bill just being like, "All right, yeah, Matt, <laughs> yeah, I'll take it from here, Chief," and just like kicking him out the door. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, class. Quite the funny visual! Wow, you got quite the imagination, buddy boy. I did. Listen, it's the time of the third I time you about the fucking story. Fantasizing scenarios where Bill O'Brien tells Matt Patricia, "I've got it from here, buddy boy." But no, but but that gets that's John's point. He's right. The the well is still poisoned if you have these two fat losers in there. 
Uh, well, I, I, you could you could imagine sort of a Ari from Entourage walking back into the office with the uh, Nerf gun or the paintball gun scenario where he yeah. comes in and he, he walks into Judge's office and he goes, hey, meet my new offensive line coach, Mark Colombo. Put that sandwich down and get in the Ernie booth right now. Oh, man. Seriously. Uh, Good stuff. But yeah, I think I mean, it, seemed, it seems clear we're all in agreement. And I think almost everybody who's a fan of the Patriots knows they need new coaching. And I guess the question I have for you guys is, does Bill know they need new coaching? God, it's like trying to teach my father how to do something new, dude. I don't know if he <laughs> – I don't know. If he, I don't, can you teach somebody in their 70s a new way of thinking? That's the real question. <laughs> no. Gentlemen, outside of outside of the patriarch of or the, the triumvirate of Patricia Belichick and Judge, no, nobody – Thinks they they all think it was a terrible idea and it is a bad idea. It's just amazing. I don't I I think those guys kid themselves into thinking that it was just a few things that need to be worked out. Well, let's look at it. I want to put this on the record now. If if they do make the change and they decide to clean house and get rid of Patricia and Judge, or repurpose them to a place that they that, that move them to football operations Siberia where they're not anywhere near the huddle for the offense or defense. Can we agree that it was probably Bob and Jonathan Kraft who said this isn't working? Because I don't think it'll be Bill, right? Definitely, yes, John. I agree with you. It's definitely Bob um, Bob Kraft's call. I think, I think there'll be a, definitely an involvement of the Krafts if that happens. I do think that Belichick can be, you know, he could be cutthroat. And my guess is he looks at this season and knows it wasn't good enough. I just wonder. He is such a loyal to these guys. Like, I wonder what you do, which is why I do think they won't be the same coaches, but I think they'll still be with the organization, to your point earlier, John. I think Belichick is smart enough and cutthroat enough to say, you know what, we have to switch these positions around. But I think he really does value these guys, so he'll keep them. Even And I'm sure Kraft is saying, hey, we got, we got to, we can't miss the playoffs again. I know, and we, we know we made it last year, but it was embarrassment. I mean, it might have been better to miss it last year, honestly. But so, so my guess is we will get a refreshed coaching staff heading into next year, but we'll have Patricia and Judge looming around somewhere. They better fire that special teams coach, though. Look, there's just, it just, what happened to them cannot happen <laughs> in the last, the most, the biggest game of the year. The kicker is not, the, this, some of the blame goes to the kickers. Pilardi, if you're incapable of kicking the ball out of the back of the end zone, you don't belong kicking in the NFL, plain and simple. You think you're they made you're just kicking out of the fucking end zone? Do you think they made Polarity and the uh, special teams coach walk home from fucking Buffalo? I would have tied him to the back of the bus, possibly. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, I, I think that we're gonna need they can they can all they can all go together. We can we can put them all in a uh, they, we can tie their legs together. They can do like a three legged race home. It can be the special teams coach. It could be Pilates. I want to see Jake Bailey, and I want to see uh, what's his fuck who made the worst attempt at a tackle I've ever seen on that second return. Who was it? Oh, this most recent game was it? Uh, oh, was it um, Bryant? Miles Bryant? He didn't even. He looked like a. It looked like one of those player shaped pylons that you used to see on the football field in practice with the fake helmet on it. Yeah, he literally just like he touched him and was like, oh, "I'm not doing this." I just, I, you cannot, I, I've never seen anything quite like it. It looked like I was, I felt like I was watching professional wrestling. The, everyone, yeah. Patriots, the first, the Patriots first line of business, I agree, John, is get rid of Miles Bryant and Isaiah Wynn. Send those guys <laughs> along with Pilate, 
the long snapper. No, the Joe Cardona. No, he's fine. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Gotta love Joe. Another vet. I'm just picking on the vets today. All uh, right. So we're all in sort of we 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 know what the the needs are. We don't know if they're going to be met. Um, does anybody have any other like uh, names they want to throw out for offensive coordinator, or do we want to move on to the playoff picture? I saw somebody float the idea. And I honestly didn't hate it, but it is still a little – he's never coached with Bill before. But Wes Welker has been the wide receivers coach for the Niners and uh, Dolphins. Like, I kind of don't hate the idea of – like, I don't know – This to to be fair, I don't have any clue if he's a good coach or not. I think he's worked with good coaching staffs, but I don't hate the idea of maybe taking a look at him. But but my ideal thing would be somebody who has no connection at all and somebody young who can bring – seriously fresh ideas to the team that they desperately need. With all due respect, wasn't Wes Walker just riddled with concussions? Are we sure we want him at the helm for our offensive coordinator? He seems okay now. He's been a wide receivers coach for a while. I think if he was, you know, falling asleep in meetings and drooling on himself, they would have noted it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This was definite recency bias for me. But the the guy Ben Johnson, who's the offensive coordinator for the Lions, I loved what he did against oh, the Packers. Yeah. I, I think he would, I think he would get give us a he 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 would give us a fresh new look. That running game is great. They do some of that zone stuff that Patricia tried and failed to do, and the wide receiver core is top to bottom pretty freaking solid. And I think that he's got to get some of the credit for that. John Ben Ben Johnson head coaching job though. Yeah, I was gonna say that'll be a lateral move. But John, I, so uh, the offense. Someone mentioned on um, Felgren Mass. Someone mentioned the offensive coordinator from the Lions, and obviously you wouldn't get him. But who's their receivers coach, right? Like maybe something like why, that. Why wouldn't we get him? Well, because he's off. Well, I'm just saying it's relatively lateral move from offensive coordinator to offensive coordinator. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it, it's absolutely a lateral move. But why do you think that like some of these off these like head coaches are going to take a demotion to offensive coordinator. Oh, you're talking about you referring to like Kingsbury? And a lot of these guys. Yeah, no, like, you're no, you're absolutely right, John. I, I agree with you. But I'm, I'm just saying to Pat's to what Pat was saying is I think this guy Ben Johnson's probably hold on for a hood coaching job within the next year or so. Yeah, that, that's that's probably that would be yeah. good for him. But maybe we should be looking at the we should be looking at the Lions coaching tree, John, to your point. Yeah, I didn't do that before the episode, though. I only have information. Well, I don't want to look at that coaching tree. You know the quarterback coaches for the Lions? Who's that? Wes Walker. Mark, <laughs> Mark Brunel. Oh, Mark Brunel. got to do that crybaby. Yeah. I'm still sobbing over the deflate game. I was the 10 seasons with Matt Patricia before I let Mark Brunel in the fucking coaching room over here. No question. Dude, yeah. Mark Brunel would, would be an absolute saboteur. Yeah, dude, he'd be taking the Lombardi trophies out of the trophy case on one Patriot play. Yeah, exactly, dude. He'd be bringing up freaking asterisks and shit like that. Matt Jones, as if anybody can, if he was suspended or not. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know the 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 Patriots offseason is going to be a, a probably a jam packed one. So hopefully, we have we have more opportunities to discuss some of these decisions as they take place over the next few weeks. Um, but on to the so. <laughs> Forget the best of the rest. Let's let's go on and talk about the teams that actually made the playoffs and what we are excited to watch in this 
I love this new rebranded super wildcard weekend with the extra game, with the extra game, the extra teams in. Um, so this week we've got, uh, we, the, the teams that ended up sneaking in and last week we got the Jags who beat the Titans. The Dolphins took care of business against Joe Flacco and the Jets and the Seahawks eked one out against Baker Mayfield. It got help from the Lions against Green Bay uh, during Sunday Night Football to clinch the last remaining uh, playoff spots. Uh, Some really good games this weekend and some sort of games that at least on paper look like they could be mismatches. So interested to hear what you guys are looking forward to this weekend. And... Then we'll we'll talk sleepers and Super Bowl predictions. So let's start this weekend, and uh, then we'll go from there. I'll go first. All right, go ahead, Mark. Uh, day one, I think, Patty, you'll agree with me, obviously, because you're a pretty big Chargers fan, objectively speaking. I think Chargers, Jags. I think that's that's probably the game of the weekend. The two best, two of the best. Leave talking to the, about the Chargers for me. No, absolutely. So I'm gonna no, I'm gonna leave that leave that one to you. Um, and then on the let's go with the NFC. The Vikings-Giants game will be very interesting. I'll reluctantly say the Vikings will probably win that game. I'll reluctantly say that. Go ahead, Pat. What a season it would be for me if both my Chargers and Vikings are into the second round of the playoffs. I was going to say, who do you think will go further in the playoffs, Pat? Kirk Kissing Cousins or Herbie Hancock? (laughs) Hmm. Herbie Hancock. I think they're both going to definitely win this weekend. And then what the Vikings would play the Niners and the Chargers play the Chiefs. It's going to be close. They'll both be out around the same time. They'll be sitting I, on that. I, I think we might have Chargers, Vikings in the Super Bowl. Why not? Chargers. Then you'd have a real decision to make because you Vikings are. The Chargers for sure. Vikings would be. You are brand loyal for like the last 10 years to Kirk. Yeah, but I no, but I'm a, I'm a Herbie guy before anything, so I would root for um, – I root for the Chargers for sure. Oh, well, Herbie was just a, a glint in his father's eye. You were rooting for the, the the purple people eaters. Yeah, I'd be very proud to see them make it, but I'm rooting for my number one team is the Chargers. Go well, Chargers, go. That seems a little treacherous of you because you've been such a Vikings fan. I, you get no credit now if the Vikings win the Super Bowl. Because no, I you do are. because I picked, them, I picked them to do really well, and I've been rooting for them for a while. I just – I like the Chargers a little bit more than them. Uh, this weekend, look, Chargers Jags is going to be a should be a pretty good game. This coach for the Chargers is must have some kind of brain defect because <laughs> he did everything humanly possible to get their best players. Like I, I wonder if he bet it if he bet on them to lose in the first round or something. He's got Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa out there in a game that meant less than nothing for them. They yeah. win one quarter each and then come right out. Pat, they um, Pat, they went to X. Pat on Channel Four on CBS. They went to like extra, uh, extra minutes, so they showed the Chargers game. Uh, whoever the announcer was, maybe Alberts or Ian Eagle, and he said something to the effect of, "Inexplicably, Staley's been having his team on the field midway through the third quarter. All of his players, which has seemed to cost be really costly. Mike Williams has broken his back, <laughs> taken off on stretcher." Fine, but yeah, it looked bad. But but look, I I do. Uh, this is a weird weekend, as John mentioned. There's a, some really lopsided seeming games with quarterback situations that are ugly. You know, you got the Ravens trotting out a backup. You've got the the Dolphins trotting out a third stringer. The the Chargers Jags is the most somewhat even game with the best players actually playing in it. Right? I guess that's the Bronc the uh, 
the Bucks, Dallas maybe. But the game I'm obviously going to be focused on is that Chargers game. I think it's going to be a very fun one. It's got exactly what the NFL wants with two young quarterbacks that have been getting better, that have led their teams to the playoffs for the first time. It's a perfect Sunday night or excuse me, Saturday night game to watch. And it should be a pretty interesting one to see. We saw these teams play earlier in the year and the Jags dominated. The Chargers were incredibly hurt at that time. You know, they were missing a lot of guys. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, uh, Bosa was out and got injured, I believe, right before that game or during it. And Herbert was dealing with the fractured ribs. So this, I think, will be a lot different. But this will be it'll be a very fun game. And it's the kind of game that, um, you know, gets me excited about the playoffs. Whereas some of the things I look at from the weekend, I'm a little like, "Eh, I don't know. That feels more like a week 14 game than a playoff game. Yeah, there aren't a lot of uh, the, the the slate is interesting. I mean, there should definitely be some close and interesting games, but the teams that are that are playing in the whether it be Chargers, Jags, Giants, Vikings, Cowboys, Bucks, there's not like those aren't a lot of those aren't like powerhouse first round like dying to see them games. Like they're very they're they're very trick or treat teams involved in all of these games. And I'm really not sure what to make of them. I mean, again, it, it's going to be entertaining to watch, but there's there's not a single first round matchup where I'm like, wow, tough. It was a tough break for so and so drawing the Chargers, you know, or like whatever. Like, I, you would look at the the Vikings record and say that it's tough luck for the Giants drawing them, but the Giants already played them really tight, and the Vikings don't blow anybody out. I mean, it's just sort of scary for these teams that have great records. And played really solid all year, and they're they're just they're all very fundamentally flawed. So anything can happen here in the first round. It just sucks to get, you know, like the Ravens Bengals game, right? Like that could be a, such a great game if Mark Jackson was playing. We've seen great games between these two teams earlier in the year when yeah. Jackson was healthy. That the first game that they played was a very fun game. The Dolphins Bills when they played in Miami earlier in the year was a great game with two healthy. And, yeah. Or actually, I believe, yeah, Tua played that game, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, if Tua was healthy, it'd be a pretty different situation. And, and instead of getting those kind of games, we're getting Tyler Huntley and Skylar Thompson, it sounds like. Oh, man. That is not NFL-level quarterbacking from those guys. Guys, I'm not, sure if I, I'm not sure if I'm even tuning into that Bills-Dolphins game because you're right, John, uh, Pat. If, if Tua was at home and say he was healthy, that's a great game. And then, obviously, the Lamar Jackson-led Ravens versus Bengals would also be a friggin' – Awesome game, two divisional uh, matchups. Yeah, that's because uh, you know those both games are probably going to be blowouts, which sucks because we only have so much football left. You know. Yeah, you'd expect it to be a blowout, unfortunately. Because freaking yeah. the not the sorry, go ahead, John. No, I mean the 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 high point of the season for the Dolphins is beating the Bills probably early in the season in Miami. That's when folks were really thinking like, man, the sky's the limit for this team. And two hasn't been right since. Um, it is a it is a bummer for the for the Dolphins fans and just NFL fans in general that we don't get to see that matchup. What a different world this weekend is if you have those two guys playing. To your point, Pat. Yeah. Um, what, what? So you're looking forward to the Chargers, uh, Mark. You're you're looking forward to which game? Did you say? Uh, me, I was looking for the, the Giants Vikings, but I would be remiss if we didn't mention the Cowboys Bucks game, which I assume might be yours. Forgive me. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I think that if you wanted to say, like, if you wanted to have, like, a, a, a big, like, a technically, like, an upset pick of the week, but I don't think it's an upset at all, it would be Tampa Bay at home against Dallas, the way that Dallas. Yeah. Don't 
totally agreed. In fact, that's the game of the weekend. Forgive me. That's hands down the game of the weekend. Brady in the playoffs against the Cowboys. That's fucking insane. I love that. I love the idea of the Dallas of the NFL season starting off in Dallas against Tampa Bay, <laughs> and Dallas totally shitting their pants and losing to Tom Brady on a Monday night as a huge favorite or as like a solid favorite, and then drawing them again after limping into the playoffs after a bad regular season end and having to play them in Tampa again. Yeah. And having that, I hope they get run out of Tampa Bay. I think they will. Dude, Dak Prescott looked so bad last week. And believe me, it hurt to me to watch that because I bet the fucking Cowboys. <laughs> oh, my God. As did you, John. I, no, maybe you didn't. I did. I did. Okay, this, yeah. This might just be us being like, you know, it's so hard to get off the Brady bandwagon, but the Bucks have been terrible. Like, they haven't played a great – they haven't played great this season. Yada, yada, yada. You could so easily convince me that they're winning the Super Bowl, though. Oh. so easily convince me that they beat up on Dallas. They play – well, that would mean they, they play the Eagles. They played them in the playoffs last year. They smacked the Eagles around because Jalen Hurts can't keep up with Brady – and then they, they beat, you know, whoever, the Niners or the Vikings in the in – the, like, I could so easily see that, see them in the Super Bowl. And they, oh, yeah. I, they could lose in the first round, and I, they would probably deserve it. They didn't have a great season. But just I'm, – I'm always drinking the Brady Kool-Aid, and I'm oh, yeah. not surprised at all if they go on a run. There's a path there, man. There's a path to the Super Bowl for the Bucks. Well, here's how that happens, right? The 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 I feel like the national media's favorite team right now – in the NFL, as far as just like most dominant is San Francisco. I can totally see Purdy and that team falling apart early on the other side of the bracket. And Brady gets this win against Dallas, plays one more tough game and then gets to play, you know, the Vikings who are not world beaters necessarily, or, you know, he gets Kirk cousins instead of that San Francisco team. And all of a sudden you're looking at a very, a very winnable path to another Super Bowl appearance for 45-year-old Tom. Do you guys give uh, the Seahawks a shot against the 49ers this weekend? Well, I actually kind of like John's point. Everybody is sort of mailing the 49ers in as, like, untouchable. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that Brock Purdy sort of falls on his face one of these games, is it? That's like, what I'm he's saying. Been really, really good. But is the playoffs on a different game? Is it not – do they not have more game time to plan – you know, time to game plan? Are they not a little more – ready to go is it not possible that that he goofed something up like i think it is dude it's a divisional game what would be the most similar thing to this in nfl history or even sports history where a guy who was way down the depth chart comes in and leads you all the way to a title brady like obviously the defense is most important but quarterback is most important position if they win the super bowl with brock purdy as the quarterback that'll be I mean, totally shocking. Yeah, yeah. big time. I, I guess the I guess the the comp would be somebody like Nick Foles when yeah. when when Wentz got injured and was on that MVP run, and it was like, well, it's just Nick Foles. He's been around. Nobody nobody loved Nick Foles. Nobody thought he was a starter. It's um, a good point, John. But that's the only like that's really sort of it. I I, I think. Well, no, I, Tom Brady was drafted. It was his second year. He was drafted in the sixth yeah. round. Yeah, I, I guess that's that's true. But they they knew that they wanted him to be the quarterback of the future already. Brock Purdy is not is not on the is not on the San Francisco 49ers plans for the future. They just drafted Trey Lance. He's a he's a easy guy. They don't have to pay. Yeah, um, because they're already playing. Yeah, Brady would be the only one I could think of that's even. Brady would be the one that fits right. I mean, it's not his first year, but at least he was a late draft pick, et cetera, et cetera. So. 
that's been a while, and it's a lot. It's tough shoes to fill if you're trying to fill Tom Brady's shoes. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so who is the – who are you guys' Super Bowl uh, – Okay, so I feel like we just we we just answered as part of this question, which is who's a sleeper pick to win the whole thing. Um, I think you could easily say that the Bucks are definitely in that conversation. Who do you guys have? Does anybody does anybody want to claim the Bucks as their sleeper team to win the whole thing? Does anybody have somebody else they want to put forward as a sleeper to win the Super Bowl? I have Bowl? the Chargers making the Super Bowl, so they're my sleeper. Okay, I'll go with um. Ah, shit. Just take the Bucks, Mark. Well, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think of the Bucks. I think the fuck. I think it's going to be the. I think the Bills. I know. Blah blah blah. They're the best team in the. I think the Bills making the Super Bowl, and then I'll go with the fucking Eagles. All right, because I think if, if Jalen Hurts is is good, they're the best team in the NFC. Bills and the Eagles are not underdogs. To win. No, I know. I don't. Well, fucking it. I don't see. I don't see an underdog coming out of either. Okay, so you're just giving us your Super Bowl pick then. Sorry, I thought that's what you guys were looking for. And I have no underdog. My one would be the Bucks. Yes, in theory. Okay, that's great. So, uh, Pat, who do you think is actually going to win the Super Bowl? Do you think it'll be the Chargers, or is that just sort of your slightly under the radar team? Um, if I had to put a bet on it, I'd probably bet the Chiefs. But if I'm given my Super Bowl pick, why not get bold? I will say it is Chargers versus Niners in the Super Bowl. I like it. Wow, they'd love that out in California, wouldn't they? Yeah, I don't know how many Chargers fans are left. Uh, I think they're a little more – they're just guys that picked up on it like me. But I think, um, yeah, that, that that would certainly be an interesting one. Where is the Super Bowl this year? I'm kind of blanking on it. Um, uh, Las Vegas? It is, is it in Glendale, Arizona this year. Okay. Oh, Vegas is next year then? Yeah. They, remember they were going to do it there and then they had to move it back. It's not really a fun place, Glendale, Arizona, but whatever. <laughs> Who do you have, Dwell? Um, I'll give you. I'll give you a fun sleeper, and I'll just. I'll, I'll say the Jags are my sleeper. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looks like a top tier young quarterback in the second half of this season, and they have Doug Peterson, who we know from firsthand experience can draw up a hell of a game plan when he needs to in the playoffs. Um, so they look like a rejuvenated team who it can be dangerous with a with a healthy, inspired Lawrence and a coach who's done it before not all that long ago. Uh, so that's my sleeper team. I think that I think that the Super Bowl is probably going to be Bengals. I think it's going to be Bengals Niners, and I think Joey B gets it done and wins his first Super Bowl. Nice. I think I think that they have just uh, they. The Bengals have been so solid for like I don't know three months now, and they've they've had bad quarters, but no really bad games. So I'm looking for them to come in uh, hot and stay hot in the in the postseason. And that guy just doesn't rattle. I know you're a big Herbert guy. He's my favorite young quarterback. He is unflappable. Um, so I really like watching him play. And that wide receiving core, it's like I mean, one of us could complete thirty percent of our passes in a Bengals uniform, couldn't we? Uh, so give me the give me the bungles to go all the way. Um, and our third and final question today has to do with some more offseason uh, shakeup around the NFL. We wanted to talk about the futures of a few franchises that have already unceremoniously cut ties with their coaches. So 
There are now openings in Carolina, Indy, Arizona, Houston, and Denver. Um, Lovey Smith fired what seemed like minutes after the game ended uh, in week 18 for him. Where do you guys think – what do you guys think of the the open uh, coaching spots around the league? And what do you think is the most desirable, desirable place for a new coach to land? Um, I will – I guess I'll just based off the fact that they have the second pick overall, which uh, I'm referring to the Houston Texans. I think maybe that would be the most um, – out of these five uh, options, none of them seem that appealing, but I think Texans are just off the fact that um, they have the second pick overall. Uh, they don't have a ton of talent, but I think they potentially could just draft their franchise quarterback right away in Bryce Young or that kid Levis from Kentucky. So I would guess I would go with Houston because you could potentially get your start off with your franchise quarterback and then go from there. I, I think that they are maybe the worst place to land. That, well, I was gonna that, say, oh, John, I was gonna say Carolina, but like, well, I'm glad I went with fucking, um, so we could have this conversation. Go ahead. Yeah, instead of just saying, oh my bad, let me pick again. Well, I was gonna, well, no, 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 I was gonna say, no, I'm gonna stick with Houston, but I was gonna say, a safer choice I was gonna go with was Carolina, but then the, I emphasize why I explained why I chose Houston. Because Carolina has no. I'm curious to hear why John thinks it's the worst option. I didn't. I wasn't going to pick it, but I didn't think it was the worst option. Well, the ownership there might make them a bottom three or four franchise in professional sports in North That's America. That you have, you, it doesn't seem like you have any sort of control over the roster or, or the day, the, like the goings on in the building there. And they are just a, they're a mess financially, aren't they? I mean, they it seems like working for the McNair family is just it's hell on earth. So I would never want to go there. Um, they, they've, they're the only, there's one of the only teams in 30 years to fire two coaches back to back after, after two seasons, they just give one year and then you're done and you're a scapegoat for the next guy. So that's like the most dangerous place to go. Unless you think you are uh, God's gift to NFL coaching. What about you, Pat? Honestly, I, I, if I, if I'm being dead honest, looking at these jobs, I don't love a bunch of them. Uh, because I think a bunch of these owners are pretty questionable. Houston and I guess not a bunch. Houston and India have very questionable owners. I would not want to work for Jim Irsay or Cal McNair. I like the option there with Houston in some ways because they do have two first-round picks in the next two drafts, including the second overall pick. Um, but I so I ended up choosing the the uh, Carolina Panthers, and they're in the worst division you could imagine. They already have a good defense. They have a player in DJ Moore who I think is a very good wide receiver who's not going to be expensive yet. I think you can – the issue is is quarterback, right? And normally I'd say I need to find a job with a quarterback. But I looked at all of these jobs, and I don't know that that exists. So what can Carolina do? I think they can try to – whether it's draft somebody or you know make a trade, they can try to find a quarterback that way, which maybe I'm maybe that's stupid of me, but – I just like the overall talent, and I like the location in depend like division wise. Because I assume Brady's gone from Tampa Bay next year, and then you're looking at a Saints team that stinks and is bringing back Dennis Allen that doesn't have a first round pick. You're looking at a Bucks team that will not be good with an expensive aging roster and no quarterback, and you'll be looking at a Falcons team with a Desmond Ritter who was average at very best, yeah. and they're they're not in a great position. 
So you can win right away, I think, in Carolina without needing to make a ton of adjustments. Just find a quarterback that is not absolutely horrible. You know, maybe that's a Jimmy Garoppolo landing spot this offseason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is the most shocking thing about the NFL offseason that there aren't more head coaching positions open in that division? <laughs> like, it, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. Like, how does Dennis Allen – I guess he keeps his job because they go 7-10, and 10, but he's not an NFL head coach, is he? doesn't feel like one to me. And what I mean, is Todd Bowles back there if Brady's gone and they lose in the first round of the playoffs? I don't know. I mean, I guess if you lose Brady, then why not keep him? Because <laughs> you're not going anywhere anyways, and uh, you can have some stability there. He, It's clear that he's not a good coach either, which is the thing that scares me the most about a potential Brady run this this uh, playoff. Um because he's just like a he is another person. He'd be great in the in the Patriots locker room. The he he thinks about football like it's the nineteen sixties. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like run up the gut, run up the gut, screen pass, punt. Like that's his playbook. It, it, the uh, only team with a worse offensive coordinator situation than the Patriots was the Bucks this year. No doubt about it. You know, Byron, yeah. Byron Leftwich, no good. Well, it's crazy because he was somebody that a lot of people had had sort of picked as somebody they want to see. I remember thinking like he would be an okay OC when McDaniel's left because they have had such great success on offense the last couple of years, but he's clearly not the, 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 it ain't been good. Yeah. Yeah. That was hard. That was horrible. It was actually shocking. I thought that he was sort of driving the bus there a little bit on offense. Um, I, I would roll the dice here and go with Indy because they have the four overall, the fourth overall pick. And even though Ursa is a madman, they do have a recent history of winning and they're also in a horrible division. So, would you be willing to work side by side with Jeff Saturday? You're <laughs> supposed to make him your associate head coach. Jeff, yeah. any given dude, Jeff, any given Saturday, who was one and zero on Saturday football games, something should be said for that. At least as a head coach, my guess is Jim Mercy would have a rule like you can be the head coach, but you have to share an apartment with Jeff Saturday. <laughs> he's been he's been kicked out of his family home for embarrassing himself on national TV. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm proud of the Colts for firing him. I didn't know if it was going to happen. Well, I don't know if they did they officially fire him or is it just like he was only interim coach? Yeah, well, they said that the, the head coaching position is, is open. So it's whatever that means. I don't know. Maybe they're letting him retire on his own or something, but he won't be back calling the play. They say he's being considered for it. I'd imagine that he won't get it, but supposedly they said he's being considered for the full-time job. Can you imagine if they give him the full-time job? Yeah. In what other what other world? In what other job do you go in for a performance review and it's like you had eight tasks to complete? You did one of them. We'd love <laughs> to have you back for seventeen. <laughs> Guys, maybe, maybe they just wanted it. Maybe they were tanking. And they're like, "Hey, fourth pick is pretty good. We're going to get a quarterback here." They could be. Yeah. Um, Mark, what were you saying? I'm sorry. Do you think it would be a really weird move if Saturday did get canned and he went right back to being an ESPN football analyst? I'm sure he'll try that. <laughs> I mean, he'll end up on FS1 or something. He'll be somewhere on on the dais, right? Yeah, exactly. He and Jason Witten. Um, all right. Well, that's our NFL. That's like sort of our big NFL uh, recap as we head into the playoffs and a what should be an entertaining Super Wildcard Weekend. Um, we'll be right back after this break with this week's toss up. Thank you for listening to Save It for the podcast. If you have any suggestions 
for a toss-up or a loser of the week, feel free to reach us on Instagram or Twitter at Save It For The Cast. Uh, again, save it, the number four, the cast. Welcome back, everybody. It is time for toss-up. We've got a fun one today. This one was uh, kind of all the buzz on the internet. I don't know who originally tweeted it out or where it comes from. I never know where these where these things come from. But it was the the question was posed: What was a restaurant you thought was five stars when you were younger? So you know, we were all when we were younger. You're not going to take kids to the fanciest restaurant ever. But when you're a kid, you don't really have an idea of like, wow, this is a great restaurant or this is not. And some families go out more than others. So what was a place when your parents like, we're going out to dinner, we're going here. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're going to fill in the blank. And then later on in life, you're like, wait a minute, just a fucking restaurant I could easily afford. It's not expensive and it's not that fancy at all. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I'll go. This is a great one. I'll go first. For me, it was a small chain restaurant, uh, at least in locally. The Chateau. There was oh, one. That was mine too. Was it the one in the one in Arlington Center? That was mine too. When that first I opened up, that, it, that was mine. My but mother would be like, "You make sure you dress nicely." Like I remember, like walking in there, be like, "Oh man, I'm under am I underdressed as a child thinking this?" But like I was like, "Wow, now this is fine dining." <laughs> like 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 the Chateau was synonymous with. The, it had the white tablecloths, and it felt like it was yeah. way more done up than it really was. And like I never, because there's not that many of them, Mark. To your point, and yeah. then like I didn't, I don't didn't go that often. And then you know, I went like much later in life, and I'm like they have one in Burlington now. And I'm like, it's just a regular fucking restaurant. It's not fancy at all. Oh no, it's like the fucking Rainforest Cafe or something. <laughs> it's better than that. The food holds up. You can still no, get the food good. is very good. No, the food is always. I, I remember the food being very good, but that was mine. That's a good one. I agree with you totally. That was mine too, because you know, if you go for me, we'd go to we would not go to like fancy restaurants really, because you know, like that. I was like, you guys are fighting too much. But you go some of them. You go in and you can kind of tell it's a little like you know, there's go you go to Fridays and they're wearing the the goofy like uh, they have the buttons all over them and I kind of knew like this isn't that fancy but for whatever reason the chateau felt like you're getting this like pasta and you have the, the white tablecloths and the menus yeah. are a little fancier. Remember being like, oh man, this means this is this is really something. So I got the chateau with you, Mark. That's awesome. <laughs> I guess I did. It didn't occur to me to think of that one because it's such like for me it was uh, my dad was a Waltham guy. I used to go to that one and it. I remember thinking it was fancy, but like, I guess it didn't become a chain until later. Right. And I like, <laughs> it just didn't even occur to me because it's like such a local joint, but it is, there's like five or six of them now. Yeah. There's a decent yeah. amount of them around. That's funny. Um, I had one, I don't know if it exists anymore. And so tell me if, if you know if this, this is true or not. The one that comes to, that sprung immediately to mind for me is Bugaboo Creek. Oh Yeah. I thought driven in a bugaboo creek. John, Jesus Christ! I don't. I've only been there once, and I went as like when I was in college. So I never went as a kid ever. I don't. John, John, nothing says class like a fucking talking Christmas tree. Yeah. The, the, I was so shocked when I went for the first time when the moose's head started like spitting out rhymes. At you. I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> but I remember my father telling me that we were going to, out for like a to a steakhouse. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, oh, wow, like this is like a big deal. Like we're going to a steakhouse yeah. and we get there and it is the decor is insane. But, yeah. but if you if you take away the talking 
creatures like the the talking moose and the Christmas tree. <laughs> the rest of the decor is straight up like old school steakhouse. Yeah, it's I like agree. all dark wood and like the dim lighting and like regular ass like fancy music plays. And I remember being like, "Wow, we're going to Bugboo Creek tonight. It must <laughs> be a special occasion." And uh, not like the fact that they were fucking animatronic, <laughs> like. <laughs> fucking animals greeting you at the door didn't shake my resolve at all that this was a five-star restaurant <laughs> I, yeah i loved bugaboo creek going up that was a real treat for us and i don't even know why i think we just ate french fries our, our fucking parents were just very just vegetarian so well it was like the only restaurant that i think we went to as a kid besides maybe like jimmy's where like or frank's where like you would go and get like a steak yeah exactly a steak baked and it's like oh wow like this is this is a really quite the quite the night out for the door. Right, it's not McDonald's, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's okay if it's not out of a bucket like usual. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys go out to dinner a lot? Like any? Did either of your families go out a lot? Uh decently. Like as like with like taking us out. Yeah, like did your parents take your yeah. two out to eat? I, I can't remember if we went a lot. I feel like we didn't go out. I think we went out a little bit, but we fought me and my brother and sister. Like we argued too much. Oh yeah. My dad is just like, I don't want to do this this much. Yeah, you guys must have been tough. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were like all around the same age. Yeah, that is true. We, uh, we went out a bit, but we would always. My it was more like my dad would bring something back from a restaurant. Hey. We took we we did takeout from places that are not takeout restaurants. You know, <laughs> right. like my dad would go and like bring back steaks. From Frank's. We would, get, we would get Chinese or pizza, like, I think every other Friday or something like that. Maybe one Friday a month at least. We would get one yeah. of those things. Or, yeah, I think every other we'd get one or the other. And But we, I don't know. I don't remember. I feel like maybe I'm wrong in this because we were kids and I just go out more now. I feel like more people go out to eat these days than they used to. Mm, that could like be I, true. I don't know if that is true or not, and that's totally anecdotal. But for whatever reason, I feel like people spend more time going out to restaurants because I feel like I see more families and I feel like, or maybe they just, maybe my family was just unique and that we didn't all go out as often. Like we went out a bit, but not, it wasn't like we were going out. We didn't go out once a week or anything like that. That sounds like a lot with three kids, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it definitely would be, especially the three of us. Yeah. Like that sounds like I hesitate to take, go out with Jack and he's, you know, he's not yet two, And, it's just like you don't want to be making a scene in a restaurant. You need to be like it needs to. There's like a window of time, and I think a lot of us can probably remember this. It's like there's a window of time where you do go out to eat with your your parents when you're young, and then there's like a window of time where that stops. Where they're like, "Ah, this kid is a fucking asshole. We can't take him out because yeah, he's like you get a little bit older and you go more. You're right. Like yeah. you get to high school, you start going a lot more again. It's like yeah. oh, they're a little more. They're like adults, so you kind of just leave each other. They leave everyone alone. Right. You just don't yeah, totally. Yeah. I'll be curious to hear other people's responses because this could vary so much betting upon where you live, like where you often went. Like some people, are, there were such funny answers online. So I'll be really curious to hear. And there are certain restaurants like that we just never went to where like I bet some people, I think some people had like Red Lobster. I always thought that was fancy or Olive Garden or whatever. So I'd be, I'll be curious to hear from the listeners what they thought. Maybe we'll have to put up a poll. And- Our honorable, honorable mention for me was Panera. The, the original one in Arlington Heights, like not, it obviously wasn't a dinner spot, but I thought it was like I consider it like a high end spot to go have lunch. Hmm. I don't think that was the first Panera, by the way. No, exactly. I know, but that's I know exactly. Anyway, well, that's a funny one. 
Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and we come back with our last segment of the day. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. If you have any thoughts, questions, or concerns, send them to us on Gmail at saveitforthepodcast365 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. It is time for the last segment of the day. We usually do Loser of the Week here, but as we are in the second week of January, it is time for the illustrious second annual Loser of the Year Awards. Our winner, first annual winner of Loser of the Year last year was Will Smith, who had a devastatingly bad year and thankfully stayed a little quiet this year. I think he learned something. So maybe this is a learning moment for whoever captures Loser of the Year this year. Uh, We've got some good nominees. Who wants to start? Mark, do you want to go or I can go? I'll go first. Mine's like a big blanket statement, gentlemen. Throughout the year, we have um, we found numerous stories where protesters are trying to convey a point. Sometimes it's an animal rights thing or whatever it might be. And usually it's a good, worthy cause, but they're going about it in really bad ways. Um, so I, my loser of the year are these activists that are gluing themselves to the courts, like in the Minnesota um uh, wherever it was to get the bubble game or wherever to get to the playoffs where that activist glued him, tried to glue himself to the court. Um, we went, we were talking about um, these activists who took, I think it was ketchup and were throwing it at um, some priceless art. Um, what else we got? Can we, you guys help me out? There's a few. Right? Yeah, we had the guy run on the field where he was waving the, like the uh, gender reveal things where like the pink smoke was coming out. Like there's a bunch of the, gluing stuff and right. guy at Starbucks. So there's a lot of these. Right. these get people, what you're saying. These people are not losers of the week because of what they're trying to, um, you know, protest against or for, but just the way they go about it. Because as we've said in the past, we're not going to be discussing, you know, whatever your cause is. We're going to be discussing the fact that you're a moron and you try to glue yourself to something in public. <laughs> yeah. What is the guy's name? The, the famous actor, James Cromwell. Did it oh. Right. That was, oh, that's right. Yeah, that was one of yours, John. Exactly. Right. And that's that's someone that's like highly regarded. Yeah. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Just make a donation. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so, yeah, those are that's my losers of the year are these um, just a blanket amount of these activists that, uh, although it might be a worthy cause, are going about the wrong way. Yeah. Some strange ones. I think people are going to need to make some better glue or realize gluing yourself is not an option. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my loser of the year goes to a embarrassment of a franchise that is the Washington Commanders. Horrible, horrible year for them uh, in many facets. Dan Snyder is a horrible guy. He's being investigated for all kinds of workplace allegations about what a terrible place it is to work, how unfairly employees were treated. They, you know, doubled up on that stuff or, or, or with dumb stuff of, you know, kind of never denying issues, but he refused to testify before Congress and he was kind of running around. And so that was all bad. They made a stupid trade for Carson Wentz, who they knew was terrible, who immediately came in and performed horribly. They tried to honor uh, Sean Taylor in a couple of ways. First, you know, they last year we had mocked them when they tried to do this. They put out a they made like a lane name for him and they made his family take a photo in front of a porta potty. So today, so this year they tried to do something better for him, unveil a statue 
or a memorial for him, which we assumed was going to be a statue. Instead, it was a bunch of wire hangers essentially pushed together with a mismatched uniform of his, a pair of cleats and pants he'd never worn, and it was a total disappointment. They then, their coach didn't know they could be eliminated from the playoffs. They were immediately eliminated that day, and he was totally confused by it. And they capped it off by thinking, we know how to save the day. We will unveil our mascot. This will turn people around as just as we're about to be dumped out of the playoffs. They unveiled Major Tutty, a rotund, disgusting pig with a belly that juts out, who is, I guess, just like a, a microcosm of what their organization is, a slovenly mess. And I didn't even mention that they were busted selling coffee cups that were supposed to be of Washington, D.C., but were instead of the state of Washington and tried to pretend they they just can't fess up to their mistakes. So when they were busted doing that, they were like, that's a third party vendor. And then the people revealed the photos. It was being sold by a officially licensed team truck right outside the stadium, clearly made and done by them. So tough year for the commanders all around. I imagine next year will be equally as bad unless they do finally sell the team. I was I was gonna say I feel like they were a were they a contender for last year as well I feel like they, they might were have been because they did the Sean Taylor thing last year which was tough you know um, yeah. oh they're always in trouble man and yeah Pat that might have even been the end of the the Sean Taylor Memorial where they did it in front of those porta parties did you include that because that was probably at the end of that might have been the beginning of twenty two twenty two it was it was. It was the end of 2022, so it doesn't technically count. It was like December of 2022, so they just. Give me 21. Yeah, sorry. I think it was 2021 when that when that happened. Got it, but so, yeah. Because it was last year, I believe, when they when they it, goofed that bit up. definitely set the tone for 22, for sure. Yeah, they, set, they came into the year in a bad spot, but it's like, hey, we left that behind. I'm almost like, all right, that one doesn't count. I failed this test, but that was in last semester, and they just started failing again and again and again. <laughs> Pat, I think the most embarrassing thing is the Washington State Cups. I'm sorry, I can't, I'm still stuck on that one. It's so bad. If I had, because guys, if I had, if I was QC or not even the head of QC of the football or the Commanders, but I was like in the QC department, and I was like part of mine was the cup merchandise, I would be like, well, that's the state of Washington. No one else is seeing that. Like, guys, clear. I, I can see the flub up, but let's go back to the manufacturers and let's clear this up before we put it out to roost. Well, you know what makes it more insane to me isn't that they didn't recognize that it was the state of Washington. Everyone in the department must have been like, that's not where we live. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. They all live in D.C. Like they like it would be like being like, oh, we're going to do a thing for the Red Sox and it's going to be Massachusetts centric. And it's like, oh, it's it's some other it's like it's, I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck that is. But it's not Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, right. You whichever geography, but you know, it's our fucking mass. Yeah, like I don't know what state that is or what that blob is, but it is not yeah. very – It could be New Hampshire. You wouldn't recognize it, but you know it's not Mass. Yeah. So how do you look at it? You're like, this is not where we live. <laughs> uh, and, and and then unwillingness to accept the responsibility of like, shoot, you know, we, we did – you know, these are printed by another company, but we should have recognized that when we had them, like our bad, what a funny thing. Like if you're a Commanders fan in, in Washington, let us know. We'll send you one for free. It's just like, yeah. it wasn't us. We didn't do it. I know. John, that was so brilliant on your end. That's exactly what they – or whoever came up with that idea was brilliant. This was 100% what they should have done. Yeah, they just shat, They just destroy all the cups because their fans don't deserve anything nice, apparently. They get Major Tutty instead. Yeah. 
What do you got, John? Uh, I have, uh, I, I have been, I have the, the, I guess the pleasure of, of introducing my, my loser of the year again. And uh, it's because I've made him the loser of the week so many times this year. I think that he's the runaway favorite for loser of the year in 2022. One, Mr. Elon Musk. Um, Elon Musk had a horrendous year in 2022. He, seemingly is addicted to the spotlight, regardless of whether it's negative or positive attention. He's made flub after flub. One of the first ones of the year was uh, the shirtless photos of him on vacation that surfaced, which were very embarrassing. Looks like he's got an engine block <laughs> in his age. He's shaped like no human being. I mean, I think that whoever, whatever operates Elon Musk lives inside its, his chest cavity yeah. and operates like a little machine that makes him go. If you're one of the richest people on the planet, you got to do something about that physique, Elon. So that's a, just like a small one, but that bothered me. Um, he hosted multiple press conferences where he totally embarrassed himself and his engineering team, promising things that he can't deliver on and they can't deliver on. Um, the cyber truck uh, is constantly in the news as it's being unveiled at different engineering events for all of its fatal flaws. It's a, you know, this, this is an unbreakable windshield. We throw something at it, it shatters. Uh, you know, the Tesla's, Tesla stock is at an all-time low. And then the biggest flub up of the year probably is him purchasing Twitter um, and absolutely running it into the ground. What, what Elon didn't understand about buying Twitter, I don't think, is that he's purchasing a platform where the main use of the platform is making fun of ultra rich people. So he immediately became the villain, like the central villain of a place that is always dying for a villain every day. Um, he's, you know, he fired the majority of the staff there. He did all kinds of horrible things. He uh, spent uh, billions of dollars to purchase this company, which is now being value, uh, evaluated at way less than what it was worth uh, hypothetically when he bought it. He also, just from a, like a, a straight stats perspective, is became the number one loser of personal wealth in world history in 2022, losing $22 billion. Um, no one has ever lost that much money. In a, and he did it in a single year in 2022 with this outlandish purchase of, of Twitter, which seems to have been an idea of just to stroke his massive ego. Um, I expect that he will continue to make horrible, horrible business decisions and be worshipped by his sycophant fans, regardless of what happens. Um, so he's going to remain in the news. Other little things that bothered me about Elon in 2022 he showed up on stage at a David Chappelle concert and got booed off. They booed him for about eight straight minutes. So embarrassing. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't understand what was happening. He, he, he's someone who doesn't understand why people don't like him. You know, he's, everything he does, he thinks is going to be a smash success. And uh, most people just absolutely despise him. Um, this is somebody who told us he was going to be taking us to Mars. And instead, he spent 2022 uh, trolling most people online. So here's you, Mr. Musk. I believe you are the biggest loser of 2022. Terrible year for him. It's funny, John, because I mean, in theory, he's, I mean, he's been successful in the sense that he's made a lot of money, but yeah, he's literally the biggest loser of all time. Objectively yeah. speaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I'm sure there's been a lot more people out there that's been a lot less fortunate, but yeah. What a fucking terrible year for Elon. I actually, I misspoke. It's $200 billion he lost. Because so that's is dropping and he spent all his, yeah, he, yeah. He, what, he, I guess he's still rich, but boy, he is a real dork, man. And, and that Chappelle concert was proof that you can be as rich as you want, but that doesn't mean people are going to like you, man. Yeah, we do a lot of shitting on billionaires on this show. It's very they're very easy pickings, but he him him sort of um, making himself the main character on Twitter and doing anything he can to be in the spotlight has put him in a new realm of unlikability. Yep, no yeah. doubt about it. He's, he like it's like he's rooting to be disliked. Yeah, <laughs> it's working. It's working. Yeah, yeah. He, good point. He managed it. I know. Who would have thought he'd be become more unliked than? Um... Oh Jesus! Um, the gentleman, Mr. Clean Bezos, Mr. Fucking Jeff Bezos, dude. But John, like you said, you know, a long, a long time ago, Bezos, out of all these bizarro billionaires that run the world, he's like the one that does not. He doesn't care what people think about him. You know? Yeah, he knows that people are gonna hate him, so it's just like that's okay. Yeah, exactly. So if, in that sense, he should be commended for that, in my opinion. <laughs> Guys, if I had a choice for um, local loser of the year, I had to go with the Red Sox management at large, starting from the ownership all the way down to Bloom and his most recent performance. Well, he, he, guys, um, what's his face? Um, not John Henry, but the other Tom Warner. Tom Warner is off the hook now, boys, for the least la- for the for the most lamest um, quote of all time. Tom Warner, of course, one time said, "Let's go, Red Sox." Well, that has now been taken over by one Heim Bloom who said, "It's get, we're going to, what did he say? It's going to be awesome. But the way he said it was just so, like, squid-like. Did you guys see that? Did you see his press conference? No. No, I didn't. I, didn't I, I, I watched some of the, the, I saw some of the quotes about it, but I did not uh, watch it, you know, fully. I can't obviously do it justice, but he said, we're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. That was the exact quote. What's gonna? What, what, you're gonna do what? And what's gonna be awesome? Yeah, that's what the doctor says to you right before the colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I at least believe the guy. At least believe the doctor. This will be fine. I promise. Just bear with me. Yeah, exactly. Don't throw me with a good time. Anywho. Uh, well, that's a lot of losers. Uh, I'd probably tip my cap towards Elon, but we, we had a lot of people to choose from this year. Are we voting? Sure we will again next year. Uh, what else we got going on this week? We're obviously going to be watching the playoff games. We've got Celts Nets tonight. That's a big one. Except no Kevin Durant. He's out for a month. One thing we should mention, we called a couple injuries ahead of time on this podcast, both Zion and Kevin Durant. I didn't call- we didn't specify for the Nets. We said they have such a tr- shitty track record of injuries. We ex- would expect somebody to go down, and we called Zion getting hurt. Now, I hope we don't have that kind of power because I don't want to be wishing ill on people, <laughs> but we did seem to be ahead of the curve on both of those. I know. Seriously, we're gonna make the, we're gonna, we should change the name of our podcast, The Grim Reaper. Yeah, we've just got to be careful. Don't say anybody on any of our teams is going to get hurt. We can't take the chance. <laughs> uh, uh, what else are you guys watching for? Is that about it? I mean, playoff games are going to be really fun. Saturday, Mark, I think me and Dor are going to get some beers. Hopefully you show up. Hey, last weekend was a success. I think we can all agree on that. And we had a strange time. That will be discussed off off air. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anxiously awaiting the uh, the exterminator here, so I'm looking forward to that. 
Other than I that, I watch Enemy at a behind this weekend. <laughs> the guy John, who absolutely hated him, but loved Doyle with a burning passion. John, my only hope is that you get my exterminator Wilson because he's just lovely. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, John. <laughs> Show you care about his personality. Uh, all right, boys. Until next week, save it for the podcast.